0: Heights to the depths of the sea.
1: Well, he had a few allies. He had two, he had three allies actually. He had Samuel, he had Jonathan, and he had the Lord. And those are the only three people on the planet that seem to be Confederate or at least willing to help David. And, uh, and so the Ziphites here, uh, they, they blow him in again to Saul. And you wonder whether they were just currying favor with the king, because by this time, everybody knew that David was a hunted fugitive.
0: Uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you... Know them by you are amazing God. Oh, powerful, Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Who is told every where should... The people of the city of Ziff had betrayed David's whereabouts to Saul before and are now trying to gain King Saul's favor by helping Saul find David again. This means Saul went back on his previous repentance by taking 3,000 men from Israel and went after David once again. This time, David had the opportunity to kill Saul but didn't take it. And when David boldly demonstrated this to Saul, the king was greatly moved emotionally and publicly repented again for his murderous intentions towards David. Saul's repentance was deep, sincere, and emotional, but it didn't last very long. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study in 1 Samuel chapter 26, verse 1.
1: Last time we were together, let's open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 26. We're getting close to the end of the book of Samuel, and the end of the book ends with the death of Saul and and then in second samuel we we begin to see David's coming to his throne in Hebron and then over all of Jerusalem or all of Israel in Jerusalem but last week we know that before there is the throne oftentimes there's pain oftentimes there's preparation and 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 certainly, as we have been looking at the life of David, especially as he has been on the run from Saul, who, as you know, has become completely unhinged, and he is uh, completely bent on killing David. Uh, Saul, as you remember, is very jealous of David, knowing very well that David was the one, the rightful king to the throne. And if you remember, it wasn't long after Saul had began his reign that he had made one, one mistake after another, just in obedience to God. and there came a point where God said, "That's enough." And, and God removed his spirit from him. The, the, the spirit of God gave Saul every opportunity and, and everything that he needed, so that there, there's no way that Saul could ever complain and say, "Lord, you never did this, you never did that to make me a good king." No, the Lord um, gave David or gave Saul everything that he needed. And then it was up to Saul to walk in that conviction, to walk in that uh, calling that God had placed. He allowed, actually, in Saul's life. I don't know if he really called him, but he allowed him to be king because that's what the people wanted. And in this, we see a, a wonderful lesson for all of us that don't always pray, you know, that you get what you want because you might just get it. And sometimes when we get what we want, it's not God's best. We often will settle for second best or third best or, or somewhere down the line. But God wants the very best for you and me. And it's our, uh, up to us whether we want the best or do we want the gleanings. Do we want the scraps or do we want the full course meal? And that's always the, the case with the Lord and us. And it always requires Obedience. It requires a love and a devotion for God. I mean, after all, is it really hard? Is it really that hard to to worship him, you know, to love him? I think the more I uh, understand the, the, the great gulf between me and God and to think that Jesus Christ was our intermediary. He's the one who came and allowed us. It was through Christ that we are able to be reconciled to God the Father. There was no other way for us. We couldn't sacrifice enough. We couldn't be holy enough. There's nothing that we could do to earn that salvation. It was through Jesus Christ. And so as a result of that, how easy is it for me then just to say, Lord, I give you my whole life. And it seems to me that as I grow in the Lord, and maybe you're experiencing the same thing with me, and I hope you are because as we grow older in Christ, as we walk with the Lord more and more, There ought to be more of a giving up of myself, giving up of my life, to surrender to whatever it is that He has, His desire for my life, and to discover God's will for your life is the greatest thing on the world, greatest thing in the world, greatest thing in heaven. Is to find, to know the will of God, and then to follow it and to be obedient to it. And see, God did that for David. He he, he gave. He gave. His heart was for David initially. But the people wanted something else. The people wanted something else. And he gave them their desire but brought leanness to their soul, as it says in Exodus. And that's never a good thing when the Lord gives you what you want but brings leanness to your soul. And as a nation, that's really what they experienced. They gave them the tall, dark, and handsome. That's what they wanted. They wanted some guy who fit the bill. And, and I, don't, I don't know what it is with tall people. They, you know, many leaders are tall, but some of the best leaders are short, <laughs> you know. And um, so, don't ever look on the outward appearance. Didn't uh, the Lord tell that to Samuel? He says, don't look on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. Why are you looking at his stature? Pay no attention to that. Oh, but Lord, he's handsome. Who cares? Lord, he can speak well. Who cares? Lord, he went to school for this. Who cares? So Saul was in a lot of trouble from the very beginning. And we know that once... His obedience began to wane, and as he made his choices that would lead him down a trajectory, which was not a good place, God told the prophet Samuel to tell Saul, Saul, I'm removing you, and I'm placing another man on the throne who's better than you. And that must have really stung Saul to hear those words. Someone, a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And immediately there was enmity with David. And not only was he a uh, anointed king, God had told Samuel, anoint David. Not only was the anointed king in, in the coming yet, and it would take seven to ten years before that would actually come to fruition. Not only that, but David was a, a gifted songwriter. He was a gifted musician. And on top of that, he was an excellent warrior. He was one that Saul could, um, could send out into the battle. And there was always great results, always victory, because David's heart was set on the Lord's will, not his own. And David was dependent upon the Lord. And tonight we're going to see something really kind of curious, because David started off initially very well. Remember the great faith that he had as he came and he was up against Goliath. There, just, there seemed to be nobody on the planet at that time who had such a great faith as David did. You know, willing to go out as a young teenager with just a sling and a couple of stones and, and take on this seasoned war veteran, this guy who was over nine feet tall. And to be able to go out there and, 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 and in confidence in Christ to be able to say to the giant, today the Lord is going to deliver your head to the birds of the field. And instead of all the things that you've been saying about us, that's what's going to happen to you. And he did it with boldness, and I love it. He ran toward Goliath. I just want to see the videotape. just want to go back and rewind that a couple times. You know how sometimes when you had the VHS tapes, you'd go back and rewind a scene that you liked a lot, and then you rewind it so much the tape started to stretch, and it started just in that spot, it got kind of wore out? Well, I want to see that, because I want to see David running, running, and, and, and just getting that stone ready, and just running and running, and one goal, one goal, one thing on his heart was just the glory of God, and God won a marvelous victory for Israel, for Israel. And so David is a hunted man now. Saul is on him. And if you remember, last week we looked at chapter 25, which began with the death of Samuel. And we saw that David, as he had been continuing to run away from Saul, that he was in the wilderness of Maon, which is just to the west of the Dead Sea, and near there in a town called Carmel there was a man named Nabal if you remember a very wealthy man and David had been helping the shearers of Nabal for some time and in fact being like a wall to them from the other raiders in the area and so providing protection if you will for um, Nabal's shearers and his flock of sheep and so David at the time of the shearing of the sheep he he sends a messenger if you remember to Nabal saying you know will you be willing to give me and my men some food to eat, which is a very simple thing, especially considered all that David had done for him. And and his own servants uh, were witnesses that David indeed did do those things. And so a very hospitable thing to do, since he was so wealthy, was to help David and his men, but he chose not to. Because the Bible says that as his name is, so is he. That's what his, his wife Abigail said. As his name is, and his name means fool, Foolish, stupid. That's who Nabal was. Very obstinate, very proud, very rich, very self-centered, self-focused. And David, when he heard the news that Nabal had nothing to do with it, he told his men to get on their swords that he was going to go up there. In a moment of the flesh. he was going to take Nabal and all the men with him. And you remember Abigail, she heard about this, and she saddled a bunch of donkeys with all kinds of stuff, clusters of raisins, all this stuff, you know, several, uh, a, a lot of meat, and she had it prepared, and she brought it down ahead of her, and then she falls on the ground, and she begins to intercede, not only for herself, but for her husband and her all the men, and David, all the time he's listening to her, he's just enamored with this incredible woman, a woman of faith, a woman of prayer, and it was like a, a match for David in his good times, but she was married, so David obviously would not touch her, but then you recall what happens. David is, he goes back. Abigail goes back up to Nabal, who by that time had been drinking pretty heavily. He wakes up in the morning with a hangover, and when he comes to himself, she tells him all that had happened the night before, how he was this close to death. And Nabal, something happened. We don't know if it was a heart attack or a stroke, but the Lord, it says the Lord struck him. And then within 10 days, he died. And then as a result of that, David took Abigail and um, uh, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, who must have been in the, in, in, among the ladies, uh, maybe among the four ladies who came with Abigail. And he married her, too. And so David picked up uh, Abigail. And so that's really where we are. So let's go ahead and read uh, chapter 26. And, we'll, um, and I'm hoping to get through 26 and 27 tonight. We'll see how we go. But this is a, a really interesting chapter. I think 27 is going to be a real interesting one. And and unfortunately, it, it's not so uncommon to us because we have seen David in his less faithful moments. And before I get too heavy on David, i got to look at myself and say, you know, if I was in the same situation, how would I respond? So we really don't know, do we? And so it's hard to be armchair warriors and, and throw stones when we haven't been in the place that David has been. But let's read chapter 26 because... Uh, it's right after um, he picks uh, Abigail, takes her to his wife. It says, Now the Ziphites came to Saul at Gabeah, saying, Is David not hiding in the hill of Hakalah opposite Jeshimon? And then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul encamped in the hill of Hakalah, which is opposite Jeshimon, by the road. But David stayed in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. So David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul had indeed come. So David arose and came to the place where Saul had encamped, and David saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army. Now Saul lay within the camp with the people encamped all around him. And then David answered and said to Ahimelech, the Hittite, and to a Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, brother of Joab, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. And so David and Abishai came to the people by night, and there Saul lay, sleeping within the camp, and his spear stuck in the ground by his head. And Abner and the people lay all around him. And then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now, therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. But David said to Abishai, do not destroy him. For who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him or His days shall come to die, or he shall go out to battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But please, take now the spear and the jug of water that are by his head, and let us go. So David took the spear and the jug of water by Saul's head, and they got away. And no man saw or knew it or awoke, for they were all asleep, because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. Now David went over to the other side and stood on the top of the hill afar off, a great distance being between them. And David called out to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, Do not answer. Do you not answer, Abner? And then Abner answered and said, Who are you calling out to the king? So David said to Abner, Are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded your lord, the king? For one of the people came in to destroy your lord, the king. This thing that you have done is not good. As the lord lives, you deserve to die because you did not guard your master, the lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that was by his head. And then Saul knew David's voice and said, Is that your voice, my son David? And David said, It is my voice, my lord, O king. And he said, Why does my lord thus pursue this, his servant For what have I done or what evil is in my hand? Now, therefore, please let my Lord, the king, hear the words of his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up because uh, or against me, let him accept an offering. But if it is the children of men, may they be accursed or may they be cursed before the Lord. For they have driven me out this day from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. So now do not let my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea, as when one hunts a partridge in the mountains. And then Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will harm you no more. Because my life was precious in your eyes this day, indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. And David answered and said, Here is the king's spear. Let one of the young men come over and get it. May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today, but I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And indeed, as your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. And then Saul said to David, May you be blessed, my son David. You shall do both great things and also still prevail. So David went on his way, and Saul returned to his place. So we see this second event of David sparing the life of Saul. We saw the first time a couple chapters ago when David was hiding in the cliffs and in the, in the rock caves of En Gedi. We looked at some pictures and videos of that area. And now the second time, he spares his life again. Let's go back to verse 1. It says the Ziphites came out to Saul at Gebeah, saying, is not David hiding in the hill of Hakalah opposite Jessimon? And uh, again, this is the second time also that the Ziphites have blown him in. They did it, it back in uh, 1 Samuel 23, verse 19. We, we read that a couple of weeks ago. David had no allies. The one ally that he had, well, he had a few allies. He had two, he had three allies, actually. He had... Samuel, he had Jonathan, and he had the Lord. And those are the only three people on the planet that seem to be confederate or at least willing to help David. And, uh, and so the Ziphites here, uh, they, they blow him in again to Saul. And you wonder whether they were just currying favor with the king because by this time everybody knew that David was a hunted fugitive. Isn't it funny how fickle people can be when, when, when somebody's in power? All of a sudden, they'll do anything to make that king happy, hoping to get something from that king. But as the king starts to fade in popularity, all of a sudden, people start to turn against him. It's like whatever the, however the wind is blowing, however the tide is going, that's where the people go. And um, and that's kind of the way people were with Saul. But they were afraid of Saul because he was unhinged. He wasn't in his right mind. The Spirit of God departed from him, and an evil spirit from the Lord Came upon him, Yes, an evil spirit from the Lord. God can dispatch evil spirits. He did it with Job, didn't he? Not to destroy Job. God knew what he was doing. And he, he knew what he was doing here too. He allowed it because of the rebellion. He gave Saul what he was longing for. And that was a life without God. A life without dependence upon God. And sad is the man who wants to live a life outside of God. Or a woman. It's a sad place to be. And Saul found himself in that place. But it's its an unfortunate thing. But there are always enemies. To those whom God has put his hand on. Those that God has chosen. Or has called. There's always going to be a resistance. In fact. If God has called you. And there's no resistance at all. Begin to worry. Because. Every man or woman whom God has called, and you, Christian, have a mark on yourself. I don't know if you know that. Of course you know that, but you are a marked person because you claim Jesus as your Messiah, as your God, as your Savior. And the closer you get to him, oftentimes the trials don't get smaller and less significant. They often are ramped up and they get more significant. But the devil will always resist God's plan. The devil wanted to snuff out David through Saul. Because if he could do that, do you understand the Davidic covenant that was given to David? And going all the way back to Abraham, going all the way back to Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman shall crush the serpent. Who was the seed of the woman? It was Jesus. But who came? Who did Jesus come through in the flesh? David. David if he could somehow kill david he could appear or at least think that he could thwart the plan of god do you realize how everything was on the line as david was running everything was on the line all of biblical history was on the line do you think god was wringing his hands going oh, oh i hope he doesn't catch david no god is going i got this covered david you just and, and even david in his folly god allowed him he he, he spared him even in his Less sane moments. Have you been there? Have you had less sane moments? I have them. We all have them. Moments where we're not really resting. We're more like reacting to fear. Can I I get a witness? Amen. Yeah, that's right. So Saul, verse 2, he rose and he went down to the wilderness of Ziph. Again, this area right to the west of the Dead Sea, right uh, directly to the west of En Gedi, really, in that area where David had been. And Ziph is about three miles southeast of Hebron. And, and so it says in verse 3, David uh, and Saul encamped in the hill, which is opposite Jeshimon by the road, but David stayed in the wilderness. And he came and he saw where uh, Saul had, um, and, he, and he saw that Saul came after him, excuse me, into the wilderness, and David therefore sent out spies. And then in verse 5, David arose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. And what guts does that take? You know, all the promises that were wrapped up in David's life, and here David, as we will see here in just a moment, he and Abishai, his nephew, they decide to go when everybody's sleeping. I mean, can you imagine as they're walking along at night, and one little twig, and then, you know, the guy, all the men of army gets up, and then they got to run for their life, and those guys were pretty accurate with spears and everything. They better get out of Dodge pretty quick, but everything was on the line, and yet they did this thing. I don't even know if this was the Lord that David did this. He didn't need to do it. I think David did it just to prove to Saul, Saul, I'm not against you. Why are you coming against me? Remember this? We did this back in En I don't want to kill you. Whatever rumors you're hearing are false. It's fake news. I'm not trying to harm you. If I wanted to harm you, I would have I would have pinned you right to the
0: floor. I'm sorry. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of First Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585. 585-